Half the Battle is Back. I'm your host, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special UFC Ottawa Wonderboy vs. Rory edition Half the Battle is the true UK fan, Wesley Colvin. Welcome back to the show, man. What's happening, fellas? Good to be back on, dude. Ready to talk some fights. Got a big weekend. Yeah, we do, man. And you know, it's cool because you're actually on the second ever edition of Half the Battle. Now I'm over 70 episodes deep, so it's great to have you back on the show. And my boy, Cody Saftik from Bookie Beatdown is in the house. What's up, Cody? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. And uh, you know what? I think I've had some interaction with Wes, but don't think we've ever, like, you know, formally got to meet. So a pleasure to do the show with both of you guys. Absolutely. I mean, Wes, you know, we already know the deal. One of the most respected sports bettors in the game. And we got the host of uh, Bookie Beatdown. And here we are on Half the Battle, man. I cannot wait to break down these fights. So first up, we got Colby Covington. He's minus 290, the comeback on Jonathan. Uh, well, how do you pronounce his last name, uh, Cody? Well, technically speaking, because it's French, it'd be Minier. Okay. Versus Jonathan Minier. He's plus 245. And I mean... You know, it's interesting because Minier, he likes to take dudes down and pound them out. And what does Colby Covington like to do? He likes to do the exact same thing, but he's got the UFC experience. He's a minus 290 favorite for a reason here. Unless uh, Jonathan is, you know, some super prospect that we just don't know about yet, you got to go with Colby here, passing from a betting perspective, but the pick is Colby via wrestling. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, the same. Um, Colby's just what he does. He does better than, than the... The Canadian dude, uh, the little bit of tape that I've seen on uh, Mernier, uh, you know, he got his last fight, I believe. He got rocked a couple times before he got the guy to the ground and ended up uh, pounding him out. But uh, Kobe's just a, he's a much better wrestler. I think he's going to get him down and pound him out. Um, I, I put him in a lo little parlay with some other stuff, uh, nothing big. Um, it, it's a huge line. So, uh, yeah, probably a, a pass for the most part. But, yeah, Kobe's going to get it done. Man, if uh, Colby was fighting a real opponent, and that's no disrespect to Jonathan, but I'm talking about a seasoned vet in the UFC with good takedown defense, I might consider fading him. But here, you know, that UFC debut on short notice, even though he trains at TriStar, I think it's too much too soon. What do you think, Cody? Well, like, as you mentioned, he likes to take guys down and grapple them. That uh, He's actually a kickboxer, comes from a kickboxing pedigree, undefeated uh, amateur kickboxer, and he transitions to pro. And the thing with TriStar is you got to think, they're throwing this guy in this spot not to throw away an undefeated unde like prospect. they got tons of guys undefeated, Mandel Nalo, Eamon Zahabi. These guys can be in the UFC right now, UFC quality. They don't throw these guys in. So I think this guy's ready. He's 7-0. I'm definitely am taking Colby Covington, but I agree with Wes, and I agree that you kind of mentioned as well. Let's take a bit of a pass on this one. You can put him a little bit in a parlay to get some extra value, but you can't underestimate a guy like Meunier, who's six foot three at welterweight. Colby Covington's kind of untested when you think that he beat Mike Pyle, who's fantastic, but other than that, he hasn't really been in a war, so to speak. Uh, something that you can really look at and be like, man, he got you know gut tested here and came back from it. So it might be dangerous. And and one little small note that I found funny is that. If you go on, if you went on YouTube a week ago and you looked at tape on Jonathan Minier, there was like you know four or five fights. If you go on now, there's like a fight. They had those fights taken down. They're hiding something from this kid. He likes to throw elbows when he's trying to get taken down, Travis Brown style. So it's a, it, it would be a pass in my opinion, but uh, Colby Covington would be uh, the smart play, I suppose. And next up, we got Ali Bagautinov minus two eighty, and the comeback on Gian Herrera is plus 240. Now, actually, Wes and I were in attendance when Gian Herrera made his UFC debut, and after the fight, Wes was like, look out for this kid. He's going to be really fucking good. I mean, he escaped all of Ray Borg's submission attempts, and I said, man, if I can get two and a half on uh, the plus side, I might take that shot. Right now, it's uh, plus 240, 
So I need 10 cents better. But, you know, I was thinking maybe the point spread might be worth a shot here if it's plus money, you know. Lose a 29-28 and still cash at plus odds. We'll have to wait and see what the what the line is on that. But, I mean, Ali Bagotinov's no fucking slouch. I mean, fought for the title with Demetrius Johnson, went all five rounds, juiced out of his mind. But, you know, even though he was starting to break per round, as people do when they fight DJ, he stuck in there and he put on, in my opinion, the toughest fight of DJ's career in his title right? I'm not talking about the Dominic fight or the Brad Pickett fight. I'm strictly talking UFC title run. I think that Ali Bagotinov was the toughest one. But since then, man, he comes back against Joby, who actually is ranked number one in the world. Very, very close decision where both guys had very little output. But that could also be due to the fact that they're both such high-level fighters. And sometimes when you get two high-level fighters, they don't have as much output. With Gian Herrera, like we mentioned, in that Ray Borg fight, man, you know, his uh, guard didn't get past too much. Uh, he got taken down easily. But, uh, you know, he can get back up to his feet. And it's interesting because Bagotinov's not really known for holding dudes down, even though he does have prey takedowns. He's more known for that. Uh, I mean, they call him the puncher king for a reason, right? So if these two stand and bang, it's going to get pretty interesting, man. And there's always that situation where the young up-and-comer rises to the occasion. Will this be that time? I'm not sure. I need two and a half to find out. But uh, if the point spread... The points handicap, as I like to say, is plus money. I'll be taking that shot. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I can't. I can't fault you for maybe taking a shot. But how I, I look at this fight, you know, we saw him. Um, uh, was it was it Nashville where we saw him? Well, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, when he he fought Borg, but we seen Borg against Scoggins, and Scoggins dominated Borg on, on the mat. So is Borg's that top game? Is it that good? I, I'm not so sure. I, I think we might uh we all might have overrated Borg just a tiny bit. Um, Ali is is a really good fighter. He's still ranked right up there. He fought the champ to a decision. He uh, I thought he he fought a a really good fight against uh, Joe B. And that's the number one guy in the world. So I just can't see that. This is a really tough spot for for. Uh, a young fighter like that, I just don't see him getting past Ali. I, I think it'll be a three-round decision, but I think it'll be pretty clear. Um, you're right; he does. He might be able to hang on the feet, but if if Ali can't hang on the feet, he'll take it to the ground. His wrestling is is legit. It is, you know, he comes from that Russian background, so his wrestling is legit. So, I just see a an Ali Bags unanimous decision here. I think the kid will hang in there, but. I just don't see him getting it done here. I'd, I'd have liked to see him get a little bit lesser of an opponent in this spot. He stepped up on short notice, I believe, in both of his fights that he's fought for the UFC now. So he probably should have got a little bit of easier spot here. Um, hopefully he hangs in there and they bring him back and give him another one. I just don't see him getting it done in this spot. Ali B's a real fighter. I mean, you're 100% correct. He's been thrown to the wolves, but uh, this is the UFC, man, so we'll see if he can rise to the occasion, but obviously conventional wisdom says Ali's going to win the fight, so we'll have to tune in. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with the same things. I mean, Gene Herrera, I mean, if you look at his last RFA fight, I think he fought uh, Josh Rave. Stand-up looks awesome. He bombs him with a bunch of pilot knees to the body, folds him, Great performance, signed to the UFC, undefeated. And fighting Ray Borg, I mean, he was only, I think, 25 years old when he signed with the UFC. He's young. Borg's young. I felt bad for him that he was in a prospect versus prospect match, two undefeated guys. Seemed like a tough spot for a young guy coming in. I think it's Joby Sanchez. Tough fight. Wins it. Lost the first round in that fight, in my opinion, but wins the second round. And then I'd like to see him progress. Same thing, like, fight fight a guy that's 
on his way up, so to speak. Not necessarily Ali Bogatinov, who, despite having lost to the champion, now uh, Joseph Benavidez is, in my opinion, still top five flyweight in the world. They're obviously looking at this guy. To, and then, yeah, he's going to get a full camp. And that'll be nice. And I 100% think his jiu-jitsu is, you know, for a brown belt, I think he's still a brown belt under Bill Banks. Nice jiu-jitsu. He spent some time with Robert Drysdale as well in Vegas. He'll survive. The thing is, is that he's going to survive and lose a decision, unless he can pull something that I'm unaware of. But Bogatinov is nice in this spot, and compared to some of the other favorites that are uh, higher value than Bogatinov, I, I don't mind him, to be honest. I, I have a lot of respect for Gian Herrera, but I think Bogatinov's a smart player here. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to see, man. I mean, minus 280 is a little pricey, but he's so much more experienced. I, I, mean, uh, I got him in the open on, at like 180, so that was a whole lot nicer than what he said now. What he said now is it's getting high, but 180 was just ridiculous. That You had to play that. Next up, we got Randa Marco. She's minus 190, and the comeback on Jocelyn Jones-Lieberger is plus 165. Now, you know, Randa was really impressive in the house, but ever since she came to the UFC, you know, the same thing keeps on happening. She'll start off very strong in that first round, kind of fade in the second, completely lose the third round. And Liebarger, you know, she's slow, she's stiff, but she has that MMA lab style where they take an ass-whooping that first round, and if you start gassing out in that second or third round, she'll put it on you hard. So, I mean, it's a matter of is Randa going to fade or not? And, uh, man, you know, it's funny. Like, with Randa, I was telling Cody off-air, I kind of, you know, it's like a Jessica I situation. I always think she has a chance, and then she always loses. But uh, we'll have to see, man. I mean, I don't fault the shot on Lieberger at all. For me, I'm passing. But, you know, it's probably going to go the distance. You guys already know the deal. What's up, Wes? Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I actually thought Randa might have won her last fight. Um, it, it was really close. I think the 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 younger good looking chick kind of got the nod there. You know the UFC they they want to push her uh, Carolina or whatever. Uh, but I thought that fight was really close and Randa could have got that. Lieberger's just she, she just doesn't look like she can fight all that well. But like you said, she's one of the black people that are tough. Uh, you know the Barbarinas and and them kind that just they don't stop. They keep coming. But She's slow and, and plotting, and I think Randa can, if Randa can go three here and keep up the pace, I think she can grind her out. Um, Lieberger does slow down, too. The fights that I watched over, uh, besides her five rounds with, um, um, oh, I can't remember now, where she won the title, and I believe it was RFA. Uh, she went five rounds there, but... She slows down too, I, and and Randa, I think she's improved. I, I've seen improvement out of her. Um, her ground game's good; she can wrestle. So I'm I'm picking Miranda. I think she grinds out a three round decision, but I, I can't bet it. Um, anything can happen, like you said. I think I bet Randa every fight, and she just she doesn't get the nod. You know, she starts slowing down in the third and and becomes inactive, uh, gets swept on the ground, and just. Um, Finds ways to lose fights, so I, I can't bet her. But the over is is money. It, uh, it's kind of high now, but this is going to a decision. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right when you say she finds a way to lose. So if you were to parlay her, you'd definitely be sweating it. And then the shot on Lieberger when she loses that first round and is looking totally slow, you're going to be sweating that too. So it's a tough one. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, if you look at her last two losses, I mean. Uh as you mentioned, it was a close fight with Carolina. That I, I didn't think she won the fight with Carolina, but it was a close fight. And then her loss to Jessica Panay, the split decision. 
So yeah, she's always in these pretty close fights. And now you got to factor in she's in this. If she's going to be in a close fight, I believe this one to be a close fight. Maybe she gets this nod, being that it's in Canada. I mean, we hate to mention it, but the fact is, you know, she's in, yeah. a, in her own backyard. She herself is pretty is pretty, and uh, she. You know, she's a local to the area. The people in here, they, they know her. The judges, they've had encounters with her because they go to these tournaments. They, they recognize her from the area. But all things aside, I think Jillian Jones, or sorry, not Jillian, that's her twin sister, but Jocelyn Jones-Leibarger, uh, she's, she's got the goods. I mean, as you mentioned, Brian Barberina, 100%. This girl's female, Pat Healy. Like, she'll go in there. She'll take a shot to give a shot. She's got some power. She's got some grinding affair. And uh, with Zoala Frosto, man, I, I had, was picking Zoala Frosto. I thought that she was going to have the goods. And she's a kickboxing champion. She's faster. And uh, and what ends up happening, she just grinds on this girl. Her technical boxing, best part about her technical boxing, she throws one, two, threes, right? Ronda Marcos throws, like, single pot shots, throws, like, a sloppy left, or she'll just bull rush straight down the middle and throw a bunch of wild punches and try to do something. So I think Jocelyn Jones-Leiberg has got better wrestling. She's just she's physically bigger. you got to keep in mind against Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres is small. She's very fast. And she took that fight on short notice, right? So she definitely tired against Tisha Torres, 100%. But this fight, I think, with a full camp, she uses that size to good use. And I'm probably going to pass on her from a betting standpoint. But Toutmaster, I'm looking for those points, baby. I'm looking to catch Wes Reynolds in first place. So I'll be looking to put her on my Toutmaster team. Definitely. Now, next up, we got Elias Theodoro. He's minus 300. The comeback on Smiling Sam Alvey is plus 250. Now, in my head, there's really two outcomes for this fight. Either Elias wins a decision or he gets knocked the fuck out. It's a matter of which one's going to happen. You know what? Plus 250, I'm really not willing to find out because the times I've lost on Sam Alvey, he just stares at you, he smiles, he eats a bunch of shots, and then he loses a decision. So it's like I don't really, I don't really want to lose a unit because that shit happened, and Elias is relentless with his pace. The biggest issue with Elias is... It's that pace because he can't keep it up all three rounds. You know, the first round and a half, he's unbelievable. But, man, he starts to slow down. Alvy's the more experienced guy. But I think Elias is going to get the decision here. It's just one of those things where in the third round, after all that output that Elias is throwing, what if he slows down and eats a big right and goes to sleep? You know, it's never happened before, but that last fight he had against uh, Tiago, he showed a lot of heart. He showed, you know, his will to win. But he also took a lot of damage, man. So, I mean, that cut, you know, you know that cut was no fucking joke. It's going to be a good fight. I'm going to go with Elias, but uh, I'm rooting for Alvi to, to knock him out. We'll see what happens. Who you got, Wes? Well, you know, to me, honestly, I don't think this fight's close, to be honest with you. Not not one bit. Um, Alvi's got one chance. He's got to land that punch. Um, we saw in Elias' last fight with with Santos, and we all know now that Santos is a monster, you know. Um, that first round, he stood with Santos for the whole five minutes and won the round. He, he outstruck Santos. Now, part of that probably was to do with Santos thinking he was going to take him down, so he kind of was a little more hesitant with his striking, but still, um, Elias won that round outstriking him. Um, he does slow down a little, but he keeps his, his pressure on. Constantly, even when he's tired, he pressures. I just don't think Alvy's going to be able to take that. Um, Alvy, on top of that, Alvy has knocked out like a graveyard of glass chin guys his past, what, four or five fights all night. They're literally the who's who of glass chin first round knockout dudes that get hit and go to sleep. Every single one of them. Elias ain't that guy. He, that dude's got a granite chin on him. I just don't think Alvy's going to land that one punch. Um, 
Alvy's last fight when he actually finally fought a guy that's one of the top and you know upper echelon of the division and Brunson, he hit Brunson four or five times flush. It did, Brunson kept coming forward, clocked him. Alvy was out, you know, or half out. He was doing the stanky leg and then was mad the fight got stopped. But he was hurt, so I just don't see Alvy knocking out Theodore in in a round or two that he slows so much in a third. I actually think I, I like Elias by second round stoppage. I think he he, he puts a beating on Alvy in the first round. Second round, he I'm, I'm saying he gets the takedown and probably gets a, a ground and pound stoppage. But I honestly don't think this fight's close. I could be totally wrong. It, it is MMA. I just don't think Alvy's going to land that punch and, and knock Elias out. Well, Theodora inside the distance is plus 326. I mean, if you're on to something, dude, that could be super sharp. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I mean, I mean, stylistically, I think uh, Elias Theodore matches up perfectly. I, I was a little critical of him, too, after the Santos fight, because, I mean, he could have won the second round if he maybe would have done a couple things differently. And then he got cooked in the third. Could have been a 10-8, but people scored it a 10-9, and maybe he could have squeaked a decision over a guy, as you mentioned, Thiago Santos is a total badass. But really, it's not that he's cardio-led up, because if you've ever watched any fight that he's in, even like the Bruno Santos fight he was in, where he was down the second round and he needed to win that third round, he's got the cardio. Roger Nervais, he's got the cardio. Sheldon Westcott, he's got the cardio. In this fight, his cardio failed him because he got bombed to the body with like 100 knees, and that really cooked him in. So against Sam Alvey, who's not throwing kick to the body, he's literally just using his hands for the most part, he's going to be able to just push him up against the cage, throw him down to the ground. Lyce has been throwing a lot of kicks lately. He did that in his last two fights against Santos and Nervais. So I'll look to him to, you know, use the kick game and, and dance around and kind of hurt Sam Alvey. I think this one is going to a unanimous decision, but, you know, that being said, Sam Alvey's a durable guy. I mean, he trains at a high level. He trains with Dan Henderson, Sean Strickland. He's at Dan Henderson's training center. And then a small note, Michael Bisping recently in Toronto, and, uh, you know, we were out one night with him, and, and he was actually mentioning, he was like, I did some training with this Sam Alvey guy, and uh, he's legit, hard to take down. He's got a wicked left hook. Like, can't sleep on this guy. He's real good. He goes, your boy Elias, this Canadian guy, he's Elias. He's like, I'd watch out, I'd watch out. And that's whatever. It probably doesn't mean as much as I'm playing into it. I definitely got Elias here by unanimous decision. But for minus 300, I'm not feeling that. Not feeling it. I feel you, man. Well, next up, we got Chris Bealy's minus 125. The comeback on Joe Soto is plus 105. Now, it's funny, man. All week I've been saying shit like, you know, I'll take that shot on Joe Soto if he's plus money. He needs the win so badly. 0-3 in the UFC. The last one against Tanaka was very close. But when I watched the film, man, I just cannot put my money on Joe Soto. I mean, the dude, uh, I don't want to disrespect him or anything. But if you watch a couple of his knockout losses, you know, I don't want to say he took a dive in some of them. Not the TJ one, but the Burchek one. And uh, what was the other one, bro? The Joe Warren one. Just, we'll just go yeah. back and watch those. Uh, when you that, that one was was highly questionable. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I can't put my money on a dude like that. Now the thing with Beal, I can't put my money on a dude like that because he gasses out hard, man. Like he stops fighting in that third round, but he's got something good going for him here. He's going back up to 135. I don't think he should have ever been at 125 in the first place. But Soto's more experienced. You know, he's he's a true vet of the game. The question is. How much has Soto really aged? You know, what does he have left in the tank? It, it's a really tough one. I'm actually leading Beal just because I think he's you know, younger, more athletic, more dynamic. But, I mean, dude, Soto on the ground, his jiu-jitsu is no joke. So if Beal starts gassing out and he takes Soto down, he could get tapped out for sure. I mean, it's it's a total pick in my book. I really have no idea. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I'm, 
I see a lot of people that that's liking Soto uh, now that he kind of flipped a plus money. Um, I took a stand. I took Bill when he opened at plus one hundred. Um, his his cardio is just it, it's some of the worst you'll ever see. Like it's funny though. Against Siri, after the second round into the third, he looked like a zombie. Like he just stopped. He completely stopped. Um, against Coletti's. He was still fighting. I think he got the cut better the second time. Um, he still lost, um, but he, he he performed better in the third. I, I love him going back up. I just don't think that Soto is – I don't want to say skill-wise because Soto is uh, – he's a veteran and probably has more skills. I just think what, what Bill does, he does really well. Soto loves to get taken down against Tanaka. He just – he got taken down over and over. He tries this rubber guard stuff that really just doesn't inflict too much damage. Um, Bill gets on top and throws bombs. Like he will, his ground and pound is is pretty vicious. Um, I, I think the cardio holds up this time. That's that's the stand I'm taking. I think if this goes to the third this time, that Bill has the cardio to hold on. I'll be sweating it. I think he wins rounds one and two, and I'll have to sweat, sweat the third. Uh, this time, I, I think going back up to 135, uh, I think he has the cardio. And if he has the cardio, I I just think he's better than Soto. Soto's, Soto's 29, but he's 50 in fight years. He's had so many fights, been knocked out so many times. Um, but I understand people not wanting to trust Bill. There's that huge reason why I think it, it – it holds up this time. So I took the shot in the stand at, at plus 100. Yeah, good luck, man, because, I mean, Joe Soto's one of those guys that, I mean, for me personally, I look to fade every single time. I would just like to have some plus money on Beal. So maybe after the weigh-ins, you never know what will happen. But I, I assume it's going to stay minus money for Beal. We'll have to tune in to find out. Cody, who you got, man? Yeah, this is a risky fight, man. I mean, I like Joe Soto because – Technically speaking, his technical boxing is good. His jiu-jitsu, as you mentioned, with the rubber guard. I mean, this is a guy that finished second at the Eddie Bravo Invitational. Like, the jiu-jitsu is pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to say phenomenal, but he's, he's very solid. And this is a guy that wrestled at Iowa with John Jones. I mean, on paper, he's the man. He just never seems to tie it together. He's a slow starter. He's taken a lot of damage, as you've mentioned. The Joe Warren fight, I mean, he was winning that fight. He should have knocked Joe Warren out in the first round. So when people say, oh, maybe he threw that fight, it's like, well, how did he throw a fight that he bombed Joe Warren with multiple shots that would have knocked out a regular human being? Like, that's not really a throw. The Burchak fight, 100% the way down looks suspicious. He's literally unconscious, though, when he hits the ground. And when you throw a fight, you never go all the way out. So any fighter, man, like, I just really can't get behind this. I just think he got clipped in a couple bad spots. The TJ fight, he went five rounds with the guy before getting kicked in the head, like, He's a tough dude. The problem is he's a slow starter. Chris Beal is a fast starter. So I think plausible scenarios, Beal gets off to a fast start and wins the first round. Beal's winning the second round. He starts to fade, as he always does, but he wins the second round. In the third round, Joe Soto does the same thing he does with Tanaka. He turns it up with his hands. He almost finished Tanaka, but he always turns it up late, and that's just not, not acceptable at this level. So I think Beal's going to squeak this one out 29-28. Am I confident in it? No, but I think Beal will be able to get the job done. But I'm a huge Joe Soto fan at the end of the day because skill-wise, on any given night, he can hang. It's just, is he going to show up? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I want to respectfully clarify about the throwing fights thing. I mean, this is the UFC. No one throws fights per se. 
But, you know, dudes look for a way out from time to time. And when you're bombing on a dude, you throw everything you got and he's still standing there. That can be super discouraging. But we got to move on. And we got Valerie Letourneau. She's minus 170. The comeback on Joanne Calderwood is plus 150. And, uh, you know, Valerie Letourneau is mean, dude. She likes to fight. She's going up to 125, which is good for her because her cuts to 115 were brutal. Joanne Calderwood, you know, she's representing Scotland, which is pretty cool. They don't have too many fighters in the UFC. They got Stevie Ray and Joanne Calderwood, which is awesome. She seems like a really cool chick. I just think Valerie's meaner, and will probably win the decision here. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I kind of feel the same. Um, you know, I, I really liked JoJo before. She came on tough and then and, and tough. But afterwards, it just, I don't know. There's just something there. It, it just, I don't know, something missing. Um, like you said, um, the, those those cuts were just brutal for Val coming down. Um, only thing I worry about uh, really in this fight is you know she she took a pretty good beating from from JJ and man it, it always you know we'll we'll probably talk about that later on uh, another fight but you always worry about that. Um, I, I think she can still win this fight. I, I just I I think her pressure is going to be a little too much for JoJo. Uh, JoJo gets just. Sometimes passive in fights, she can just lay on the ground. Um, she could catch her, though. Um, I can't touch this fight. There's just so many variables to it for me personally. So it, it's a pass to me. Maybe look at the over again. You know, you can never go wrong with an over in, in a woman's fight. This <laughs> one, uh, both tough girls, you know. But, um, yeah, I just I don't really have too good of a read on this one. So it, it's a pass for me. Cody? Yeah, we got uh, Joanne Calderwood from uh, Scotland representing TriStar in Montreal, and then we've got uh, the TriStar, former TriStar fighter Valaturno now representing Florida. So, bit of a weird one how this one came together, but uh, I, I do like Valaturno. However, at minus 170, I'm not feeling it. The over, I can definitely see that happening as I think they're both tough girls, but there's definitely something missing with uh, Calderwood. And this move up to 125, so to speak, I think it definitely favors Letourneau, who, if you've ever seen this girl, may wait. It's pretty mm -hmm. horrific, but, you know, she gets the job done. Now, she's, she's only taking this fi fight basically six weeks out, so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, she's packed on the weight well, she's in good shape, she's going to come out. The problem why I don't like 170 for it is that she likes to get into these scraps, and if you look at, say, her fight with, uh, what is it, Elizabeth Phillips, right? She'll get into this scrap with you standing where she just throws a lot of sloppy strikes, including a lot of uppercuts. <clears throat> she used to train at TriStar. They kind of know her. They know her game. They know her ins and outs, so to speak. And obviously, she's evolved and she's you know changed her game as she's moved to American Top Team. But they've got an inside read on her. And with Calderwood, Calderwood's a former you know European Muay Thai champion. At least on paper, she's got the advantage. I realize these girls when they fight her in MMA, they just close the pocket on her, nail her with the right hand. She doesn't seem to keep her hands up very well. <clears throat> but if it's going to go three rounds, I mean, Calderwood's got enough game to you know win a couple of these rounds, win two or three. Latrell's had a couple hot performances, but. She's also had a couple stale performances in the past, so I think it's risky, but I got Letourneau. Yeah, man, you actually brought up a really good point about the TriStar thing where, you know, Valerie trained at TriStar for like 10 years. They know her style in and out, and now Joanne's the one training at TriStar, but at the same time, Faraz can't go inside that octagon and fight for her. You know what I mean? A fight's still a fight, so I'm going to lean towards uh, Val, but I mean, dude, you know, anyone can rise to the occasion. I'm passing. Now, next up, we got... Jason Sago, he's minus 200. The comeback on Leandro Buscape Silva is plus 170. I'm fucking pumped for this one. Finally got a play here. And you know what? I, 
I really like Sago. You know, I bet on him on a couple of his, uh, of his UFC fights, and he's a great grappler. I mean, Hoyler Gracie black belt, right? Is that what it is, Cody? Hoyler Gracie? Yeah. Yeah, Hoyler Gracie black belt, really good upper body uh, takedowns. You know, he can you know, he muscles dudes down on the ground, and then he's got very good jujitsu. The way he beats dudes is he takes their back and pounds them out. I really think he's uh, one of Canada's brightest prospects, and you definitely have to keep your eye out on Jason Sago. All his wins are via finish. When he loses, it's via split decision. Now, with Leandro Silva, how does he win fights? Via close split decision. Now, a lot of people talk a lot of shit about Leandro, but if you want to break it down, this guy doesn't get rocked in fights. If you take Leandro down, you're not passing his guard. His guard has never really been passed. You know, his only losses in the UFC, he had a very, very close decision loss to Francisco Trinaldo, who's absolutely been trucking through everyone. And let me add real quick, uh, Francisco is fighting Paul Felder. That just got announced. That's going to be a... That's going to be a hell of a fight. Should be on paper. But back to this, man. You know, it's so interesting because with Leandro, you know, a lot of people um, like to criticize his inactivity. But if you really go and watch these fights, like I said, he doesn't get hit a lot. He's very, he's a very hard dude to fight. And with Sago, like I said, all his wins are inside the distance and all his losses are via close split decision. At plus 170, I'm trying to find out if he's going to lose a close split decision here. So, you know, I'm going to go with Buscape. I think first round, Sago's going to take him down. He won't be able to pass his guard. Then the second round is going to come around, and uh, I think Buscape is going to take over when Sago starts to gas. Now, I'm going to let you go first, Cody, because, I mean, we're talking about one of Canada's brightest prospects in Sago. I, I firmly believe that. I think he's going to have a great future in the UFC, but I think this is going to be a setback for him. Yeah, I mean, it's a 50-50 fight. I go Sago all day, but you're right. There's definitely some value here on Buscape, being that uh, I think that 2-1, to one, people are definitely thinking that Sago should just run this guy. I don't think that's the case at all. Sago, that's the thing with Buscape, though. You've mentioned the way he wins fights is these close decisions, the way that Sago loses fights is these close decisions. But Buscape, the way he loses these fights is that he's you know, being taken down. He's being exploited on the ground, so to speak. I mean, with Trinaldo, not so much. He gets into a crazy striking battle with him, but... I mean, who knows what will happen with the Drew Dober fight. No one will ever know. The Luis Gonzalez fight, he wins, but, I mean, he kind of looks a little shady on the ground. With uh, Efren Escudero, I mean, once again, he kind of looks exploited on the ground. Jason Sago's not going to gas the way that those guys gas, and he's not going to have a terrible game plan the way that those guys had a terrible game plan. What I love about this guy, more than that he's just very skillful, is that he's a very smart guy. He's a very brilliant guy. He's a world traveler, very down-to-earth dude, and he, he knows what's up. He knows in these fights, man, i got to get this fight to the ground. The Paul Felder fight, he knew, i got to get this fight to the ground. Unfortunately, Paul Felder starts stuffing a couple of takedowns. Now this fight starts to get greasy, and Paul Felder is able to beat him standing. But Paul Felder is an excellent kickboxer that throws a multitude of strikes. Whereas Leandro Buscape Silva, he's like fake Anderson Silva. I honestly truthfully believe that. He, he believes that himself, probably, too. He stands like him, he moves like him, and he just tries to hit pot shots on guys. He's got one career knockout. In 19 fights, 19 wins, sorry. You know, that's not a very high percentage here. So at the same time, I don't think he's able to rock Jason Sago. He's going to dance around, clown around like he usually does. Sago's going to press him up against the cage. He's going to look for his takedowns. If the fight does hit the ground, I mean, his black belt's way higher than Buscape's. He's going to make it tight. But the value, once again here, it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a close decision. And as you mentioned, if it's going to be a close decision, I'm going to ride that 165 as well here. So... It's uh, pretty close, man. 
Yeah, I want to give uh, Jason Sago some props, man, because he came back from an injury that people don't come back from. He came back from a, a ruptured Achilles. I mean, obviously one doesn't simply come back from a ruptured Achilles. That is a fucking serious injury. And he came back like a true warrior, got a first-round stoppage in his return. So, like I said, man, I got nothing but respect for Sago. Really expect him to do big things. I want to comment on the Efrain fight real quick, because, look, yeah, we all know Efrain's a jobber, right? But... In every single fight Efrain is in, he always wins the second round. He, he won the second Kevin round against Leo Santos. What's up? He got robbed against Kevin Lee. Uh, I was there. I thought Lee won, but it is what it is. But, hey, but in that fight, Efrain won the second round. <laughs> the Leo Santos fight, Efrain won the second round. And there was one more uh, in his uh, in one of his losses where he, where he won the second round. Efrain always wins that second round. It is what it is. And uh, it's not like Leandro's guard got passed or anything. He just got taken down for a couple minutes and it was a, you know, and they came back. Oh, this is what I like. He comes back in that third round. It's one-to-one. Here's where you find out, all right, what's this guy going to do in crunch time? Is he going to run away or is he going to come out and fight? He came out and fought and won that third round, got the decision in Mexico. So, I mean, I get it. This is a close fight, but plus 170, man. I mean, let's find out if we can get that split decision here. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I, I think it's a close fight. Um, I can, I'm not mad at you, you know somebody taking a shot at 170. I might even pick Silva and uh, and Tout Master. But as far as you know, an actual pick and winning the fight, I think Saga wins the fight. Um, I don't Silva don't he doesn't really he doesn't have his guard taken a lot. But some dude named Luis Gonzalez was was reversing him and stuff on the ground was taking him down. A dude named Luis fucking Gonzalez, Efrain uh, reversed him a couple times. So I don't. His ground game is not on the level of Sago's, and I don't think he's he's totally inactive for big stretches of time. But small amounts of rounds, he does stand there and, and do sometimes nothing. Sometimes just throws a pot shot or two. Sago doesn't stop. His pressure game is very very good. Um, I think he has a better clinch game than Silva. This goes to the cage. He will get him to the cage. He will throw elbows and punches to try to get his takedowns. Um, Silva, when when he was doing bad against the the dude named Luis Gonzalez, it was when he was getting pressured. Uh, Luis Gonzalez was coming in and just throwing wild stuff. He was a wrestler, but was just throwing wild stuff, and it, it was successful at times in that fight. Uh, Efrain, the times he was successful in that fight, he was coming forward the second round. When he won the second round, he was pressuring Silva. He was coming forward. That bothers Silva. Uh, that is Sago's game. I think it's a close fight. Like I said, I can't be mad at taking the 170. I, I could absolutely absolutely see a split decision either way. But the, the pick is Sago. I, for the reason said, I just think his pressure game is going to bother Silva. That that just to me has bothered him in the past. I think it will here as well. I mean, I don't blame you, man. You know, Sago's a great fighter. He's got a great future. And Silva could very well lose this fight. But, man, there, he just knows how to eke out these close decisions. So I'm banking on that. I'm hoping that's what happens. We'll have to tune in to find out. The, the Diego Sanchez effect, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, man. And, you know, it's in Canada, too, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Now, next up, we got Tandon McCrory versus Kristoff Yako. McCrory is minus 230. The comeback on Yako is plus 190. Got the MMA genius in the house. This is my this is my walk MMA encyclopedia right here. You know, he sends me a video of Jocko speaking in Polish, and, you know, it's 12 minutes long. And we, we, we only 
you know, heard the key phrase ATT and Mike Brown, you know, that, that's the kind of shit this guy finds for me. So I'm like, I'm like, all right. So he's training at ATT. And man, I like Jocko a lot. I'll tell you why. Because once again, the same thing with Leandro, Jocko is a master of winning the close decision. And, you know, one thing that we always get burnt on is these split decisions. So I've started to be like, you know what, stop thinking like a fan and just taking these finishers. Why don't you start betting on dudes that are really good defensively, dudes that are always on the right side of that split decision. That's what Jocko is, man. He always wins the close decision. With Tamden McCrory, this guy's relentless. He's he's a warrior. I mean, he won't stop moving forward. But the thing is with that Saman fight, Saman was the one initiating the grappling exchanges. Jocko's not about to do that. Jocko's about to run around the ring, pot shot, try to be cute out there. I think the first two rounds, he's going to outpoint him. Third round, he's probably going to get taken down. But uh, I don't think uh, he's going to get submitted, and I think he's going to win the closest uh, split decision, and then he's going to break dance afterwards. And uh, you know, I, I put one unit on it at plus two hundred. I mean, look, if this was a pick'em, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, then then maybe Lean McGrory, he's he's a savage. But man, when I saw plus two hundred, I don't think Yako's a plus two hundred in this spot, man. So. You know, let, let's find out if you can win the, the close decision. What do you think, man? Uh, yeah, man, I completely agree. I mean, uh, yeah, one second. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Tamden, what he's been doing is fucking impressive. I mean, he goes from a five, five-year layoff. He goes and starches Brennan Ward in another, another cannon Bellator, and he beats a tough dude up like some men. But in this fight, he's going to have to go after Jocko. He's going to have to chase him because Jocko is not going to engage him in a back-and-forth brawl or a grappling match. He's going to... And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Jocko likes to keep his back on the fence too much. But I actually think he does that because I think he's more comfortable stuffing a takedown against the fence versus in the middle of the cage. But, I mean, it's so hard to to uh, view what Tamden's been doing from um, in this fight, you know, because he hasn't had – his last fight with Saman was a straight grappling match. They didn't strike at all. And Jocko's movement is so well. I mean, he moves all across the ring. He doesn't take much damage. Every round with this guy is very close, you know. But I think at plus 200, like you said, I'm definitely willing to find out. And um, may the better man win. Wes? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you here. If this was more of a pick or something, you know, um, you'd have to pass. But at, at plus 200, I, I think this fight could end up looking a lot like the Askham fight. Uh, McCory is that tall, kind of lanky guy, kind of likes to do the same stuff, good on the ground with, with his submissions off his back, um, likes to push guys up against the cage like he did Saman. I think Saman just had, like, a horrible game plan. That was terrible. And I, I've never been, like, really high on Saman to begin with. He's a decent fighter. I, I just don't think he's some world beater or anything. Then he had a horrible game plan on top of it, uh, went to McCory's world, up against the cage and on the ground grappling. He wasn't going to win that fight. Um, I think, like I said, I think this fight could look a lot like the Askham fight. Jocko moving, uh, moving. If he gets on the cage, he could have a little bit of problems. But we've seen against Askham, he, he could weather those problems. You know, he, he stayed up. He didn't get taken down by Askham. Um, he ate some shots, but, you know, he, he kind of he rolled with them. He didn't get hurt by them. Uh, so I think this goes to a decision, a close decision, like you said. And at plus two hundred, you, you have to you have to take the shot. It, it's a coin flip fight. At plus two hundred, it's I'll be taking a one unit shot uh, myself as well. I'm with you there, buddy. And I mean, like we mentioned, dude, you know, it's all about the game plan with Saman. You know, Saman initiated the grappling, which is what you don't want to do against uh, Tamden McRory. And I know Jocko's not about to do that. He's about to run around, you know, be pretty out there and uh, win that close decision. What do you think, Cody? 
Yeah, well, the value's definitely on Jocko, so I can understand why the three of you definitely want to have a poke at him. And I mean, they're undervaluing him. He's a tough guy. I mean, uh, he can pretty much, you know, put in good performances with guys at this level. But I I'm actually really big on Tan Corey. I was initial, a big fan of him in his initial run in the UFC. He left the UFC. He was like 22 years old. Took this layoff, and yo, he was a killer when he was 22. He just wasn't necessarily winning the big fights in the UFC. Took like five years off. He retooled. Got his black belt in jiu-jitsu. High-level ranking in Muay Thai now. And the fact is, the dude's six foot five with this with a 78-inch reach. And where have we seen Jocko have the most trouble here? Magnus Seidenblad, who's six foot four, has a 77-inch reach. So what Jocko does best is he dances around, but he himself has a 77-inch reach. So these guys try to chase him and they get hit. He's infinitely faster than McCrory standing. Don't get me wrong. McCrory's kind of flat-footed because of his Muay Thai style. And because he's a big dude, he's just kind of slow and, like, plods forward. But Jocko at some point is going to have to engage with him. And is, I, quite frankly, I don't think that his single pot shots is going to win him against a guy that's throwing bigger heat, you know, heavier leather. I just think that the nods, the judges in Canada will respect the fact that one guy's pressuring him. And Jocko's last performance, I mean, he entirely had a, a, a way too close of a fight with a guy that... Quite frankly, McCory takes out in the first round. If the fight does hit the ground, McCory's going to choke him out as Magnus Seedenblad choked him out with the guillotine in the second round when they fought. And I just think he's better all over. So the value is not great. Don't get me wrong. And this is not something I put my bankroll on by no means. But I like Tandem McCory. I'm a big fan of his. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit biased here. But uh, I see the points on Jocko. But Barncat. Yeah, and I mean, I want to talk about the Magnus fight and feel free to comment, you know. So. We watched that fight, and I mean, Jocko doesn't even look like the same dude now that he looked like back then. He was a kid, and you know, when we were watching that fight, we were like, "Fuck! If uh, if McCrory wins the fight, this is how he's gonna win it for sure." I agree, but we're looking at a different Jocko. He's, I mean, how old was he back then? Like, like 23, 24, or something. Yeah, like that. now 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 he's a grown man. You know what I mean? So it, it's a different animal here. I, I think that he's made the proper adjustments. And, you know, like we said, he did make a adjustment in his training. We went down to Florida, got with Mike Brown and the ATT team. So we'll see uh, how's, uh, if he shows any more improvements. And I, I think this guy's got a lot of potential. But just like we said, the matchup, Tandon's going to have to expose himself to find this guy. And um, let's see if we can win that close decision. You want to respond before we go to the next fight, man? No, you know what? I mean, yeah, it's a close fight, and I can see where the value lies on Jotko. But uh, you guys, let me ask you this, because this is the impression I'm getting. If, if it was a 50-50 fight, if it was an even money fight both ways, you guys are both taking Jocko, though. It's, it's <laughs> tough, man. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, uh, I, I do think it's a 50-50 fight, and I, I like siding with the dude that wins the close decisions. You know, I think that in Tamden's last three fights, you know, he goes in there against Brendan. My, my, my buddy down the street, Tex Johnson, set a Bellator <laughs> record on Brendan Ward. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then this other uh, jobber he fought, whatever. Well, What's that? Cyborg just recently submitted Brendan Ward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying, dude. When, when Cyborg goes out there and finishes you in 30 seconds, that, that that's when you know what the deal is. And, I mean, Brendan's <laughs> all for that weight class. And, uh, yeah, this is this is a different animal. This is a real fight this right here. The, this is the toughest matchup by far just because Brennan's a stiff – Oh, he's a welterweight one, and then he's a uh, and he fought a can after that, and he's Jacko's not the type of guy to just walk straight in. He's moving at angles. He's gonna be circling, circling, circling. Like we said, if Tamman takes him down, that's his world, and he'll probably win. But uh, like uh, he mentioned uh, earlier, before I think Saman had an awful game plan in that fight, and I just think he broke. And um, I don't think Jacko's ever broken. He's been sub Magnus. Magnus is no slouch. Don't uh, but uh, we'll see. What's up, Cody? 
Now, I was going to say that the, the scrub from Bellator, the second guy, Jason Butcher, not bad at all, man. He's summoned with an armor on the first round. And I feel for Jason Butcher because he's a Michigan boy, and I'm close by, so I'm always hollering for those Michigan boys. Yeah, there you go, man. Now, next up, we got Misha Serkinov. He's minus 185. The comeback on Ion Kutaleba is plus 160. It's funny because I was in the same boat as a lot of people when this fight was first announced. I was like, oh, Misha's about to be minus 1,100, just like he is every single fight. We'll get plus 500. I've been looking to fade Misha forever. And Kutaleba, even though he's a can crusher, he does show signs of, uh, you know, killer. He's a killer. He throws big bombs. He's a, got a Sambo background. The only issue is, you know, he's a middleweight that's been uh, fighting at heavyweight. And actually, he's been taking out the heavyweights he's been fighting. But they are, you know, a bunch of cans. Now he's in the UFC. UFC debut in Canada versus Misha Serkinov. The thing is, how how's Serkinov going to look? Is he going to still be shredded? As he, has he competed since, you know, the new uh, the new uh, testing and all that? Is he going to look the same? Or is he going to look a little... Uh, a little different. Is he going to look like Eric Silva? Now, I know for a fact, Ion Kutaleba is not looking soft. If you looked at his uh, picture he posted today, I mean, the dude's ripped out of his mind, but he might simply be too small. I really don't know. I'm looking to fade Misha. I just don't know if this is the time yet. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel the same way, but this, this isn't the spot. Uh, this guy he's fighting is, is you talking about can crushing. He's fucking can crushing. These guys he's fighting, I, I mean, he's got about five fights uh, online that you can watch. It's, it's some of the worst fighters you'll ever see. I'm talking dudes that look like they just put them off bar stools. Uh, this just isn't, isn't the fight, uh, to, to fade Sarkin off. I think we all want want to find a spot to do it. I just don't think this one's it. Uh, the fight's not going the distance if you want to find something to, to parlay that with. Sarkin uh, off inside the distance last I looked was like minus 115. Uh, that's the, the fight's not going the distance. If you think he's going to win, it's going to be inside the distance. I do. I think it's a first-round knockout, ground and pound stop, something like that. Uh, but yeah, th this isn't the fight to fake. That that guy's just—he's. I, I don't. We don't know if he's good or not. We know Serkinov is good enough. He he's fought the competition. He's he's good enough. He's got some skills. Uh, his judo and ground game—he could take this guy down with ease. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm liking Serkinov. The I, I'm with you though. I was shocked that he got to minus 185. I figured we'd be seeing minus a thousand again. Uh, that that has to make you look at the fight different. That's that short line. It it has to. Uh, so probably uh, I'll probably be on circling off inside the distance for a little bit, and I put fight doesn't go in a little parlay. There's no way it goes the distance either which way. Cody, who you got, man? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I'm a big fan of Misha. Obviously, someone who uh, just lives down the road, as you mentioned, Tex Johnson, and yeah, Tex Johnson. Goddamn, subbed uh, sub your boy Misha with an e bar. Um, love this guy, but as you guys mentioned, everyone's kind of looking to fade him because you just never know, like, when's he going to draw this card that he has a bad performance in, and even when he goes out against, you know, Daniel Jolly, yeah, there's, what more, you can't really take anything from that. Second performance against Alex Nicholson, the guy trains at a UFC gym in Florida, I mean, eh, now that he's getting Ian Kudalaba, I mean, I get that he's young, he's 22, he's unproven because he's basically beat mostly cans except for Michael Andrzak, which is his only loss by DQ, but... This guy's a European combat Sambo champion. I mean, you want to talk about a lifetime of combat sports. He's been fighting his whole life. and He fights like 
the, a poor man's version of Fedor Emelianenko. Like, he's got excellent timing. He's a killer on the feet. He swings like mad overhand rights. But I don't know that that style necessarily works in 2016. And from what I've seen the tape on him, when he's on his back, that's when he's at the worst. And when Misha's on top, it's a completely different animal. Sam's a cooler black belt. Extremely high level. He's probably going to get him down in the first round. Problem is, he's going to gas if he doesn't get him in the first round. So... I'm feeling what Wes is saying. If he takes him down and he knocks him out in the first round, and that's a plausible outcome, perfect. If this fight goes to the second round and they're both gassed, God, man, it's going to get dicey quick. And for these kind of odds, too dicey for me. I feel you, man. And my buddy uh, Sean Carey made a really, really good point on his podcast. He was like, you know, even though Misha doesn't look that great in his last fight, I mean, if you're going to be a minus 700 and you're going to finish someone – that is a minus 700 finishing move to break their jaw on national TV, and you can hear the sound of the mm -hmm. crack. But, I mean, that's Alex fucking Nicholson. This is, you know, Ion Kutaleva, who I'm assuming is better. Now, another thing, man, I feel like Misha has to get back surgery or something. This dude is, he's so stiff. I mean, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just don't know if this is the time, if this is the time or not. I, I got to find out firsthand. I got to see what they look on look like on the scale to see if Misha's still ripped out of his mind, see what the size difference is. Uh, take it from there. What do you think, man? Yeah, man, I was very disappointed when the uh, line came out. I was When uh, they announced the fight, I looked up Kudabella right away, and he showed me that he swings hard. He's wild on the feet. Um, he, he, he did get taken down in a couple of fights I, that I uh, recall. But I, like you said, I think Misha needs back surgery. I think he's as stiff as a board. And um, like you said, he's got a big advantage on the ground. Kudabella would have to knock his block off to win this fight, in my opinion, um, which I could see happening, even though Misha's never been KO'd before. But to be honest, like, when we say, you know, Kudabella's been fighting cans, I mean, who's Misha been fighting, you know? Um, that's why I think it was a lot closer. But uh, the line makers, I guess, were on the Kudabella in this one. Um, I'm going to go with Kudabella and Topmaster probably uh, definitely passing just because I wanted to fade Misha at a way better line. But, um... If Misha gets it to the ground, it's probably over. But, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on Kudabella's ability to get up. I mean, he is a Moldovan Sambo champion, and um, we'll see. But uh, I'll go with uh, Kudabella. Next up, we got Steve, the boss, boss A. He's minus 150. The comeback on Sean, the real OC O'Connell, is plus 130. And, uh, you know, I was actually surprised that O'Connell was the dog. But, I mean, considering how badly he lost his last fight, I'm like, dude, you know, I just uh, – I can't, I can't take the shot, but at the same time, man, you know, Bossy doesn't go past a minute in any of his fights, in his last two fights, okay, so I gotta give him props, because one doesn't simply come back from that Tiago Santos head kick knockout, the fact that he came back from that, I got a lot of respect for the dude, but if we're looking at who he fought when he come back, I mean, yeah. the guy's retired now, you know what I'm saying, the dude back Tahuna, <laughs> the ghost of Tahuna. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, you know, it's funny, uh, Tahuna's lost four in a row, all in the first round, and now he's retired, so that's the guy Steve Bossy knocked out, and Steve Bossy could knock out Sean O'Connell, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but ultimately, I gotta go with O'Connell, I mean, more UFC experience, knows what it's like to go past the first minute of the first round. You know, he can get into a brawl. The issue with him is his chin, and, you know, obviously Bossy can crack. But, man, if if OC can get past that first minute, it can be a real interesting fight. Yeah, um, it's an interesting fight. Uh, it's definitely O'Connell or pass for me. Um, it's really hard to say about Bossy just because he fought such an aging competitor his last fight, you know. Um, the thing with O'Connell is if you're betting on him, you know, 
you can live with him losing because you know he's going to go for it. You know he's always going to move forward, and you know he's always going to bang. As Versus a guy like uh, Soto, for example, you know, he'll quit or uh, Alvi, he'll just stand there, you know. So you know he's going to go for it. The matter is, like you said, his chin, and he, he's sloppy, he leaves himself open, he's slow, you know. Jeremy Jeremy Horn's holding his pads, uh, holding his pads for him. You know, I bet on his last fight. The second I saw that, you know, I, I got really scared. But um, it's a 50-50 fight. I actually think the over could be sharp in this fight. It's at plus money just because if Basse doesn't get the quick KO, I could see O'Connell just pushing him, pushing him up in the fence. You know, and hopefully he can get past that round and a half. But um, I'm gonna go with O'Connell in this one. Wes. Yeah, I'm kind of seeing this the same way. Uh, I mean, there's always that chance he could connect. I think it's got to be within the first minute or, or he's done, uh, honestly. Uh, now, I, I'd want more on, on O'Connell than the plus 130 to probably bet him uh, if it got up 150, 160. But I'm, I'm with the genius over there. That over, if you like O'Connell to, to, to win this fight, it's probably going to go right you know, around there. If it gets out of the first and, and it's O'Connell controlling, uh, that one and a half at plus 200 looks really, really good. So um, I'll probably pick O'Connell and, and Toutmaster and uh, probably be looking to bet the over. Cody? I'm feeling O'Connell as well. Great value on him. Stylistically, I think he matches up, but I would be definitely lying if I said I wasn't extremely worried on this one. I mean, O'Connell's been hit, other than the Anthony Parash fight where he just one-punched him. He's been hit extremely hard in all of his fights. But when he gets one, when he gets knocked out by, say, Gimo and Earlier Latifi, he's getting one punch in those fights. But even when he's losing decisions to Jean Vellante and beating Matt Buren, Matt Van Buren, he's taken some shots. So if you think he's going to be able to come in here and take Steve Bosse's shots, I mean, that's the that's the real question. And to that effect, I mean, Daniel, uh, I believe, picked him over Latifi's last time out. And I got nothing but respect for your picks. So I'm sitting here going, crap. Maybe I should have taken O'Connell. Like, ah, what am I doing? What? He goes there and then gets one punched. But that's the thing with him. He's either going to get one punched or he's going to go through that punch and just keep on keeping on. I think this fight is straight up a 50-50 fight. And for the odds you're going to give me, yeah, I'm 100% taking Sean O'Connell on this one. And the over, 100%. I think it's going probably to second round or third round. And if he's able to TKO him, it's late. But Steve Bosse is not necessarily just a you know one minute kind of guy. I mean, if you look at some of his regional fights of 2011, you can't go three rounds, but that was a long time ago. So I guess we'll see what happens here. But uh, you know, I'm feeling the real OC Sean O'Connell. Yeah, I mean that plus 250 on OC versus Latifi was probably the worst play of all time I've ever made. But you learn your curve as you go. Now next up, we got Olivier Alvin Mercier. He's minus 400. The comeback on T Bout Gaudi is plus 325. Now. You know, when the number first came out, I was like, all right, let's look up Gotti. You know, maybe, you know, let's see what the deal is. But we looked him up, and, I mean, yeah, it, it, this is a showcase fight. You know, yeah. he's going to get taken down and submitted in the second round. I think that Mercier's kicks are actually his best weapon. A lot of people think his grappling is his best weapon. It's his kicks, man. He kicks so fucking hard, dude. And, uh, you know, he actually, um, if you listen to my interview with David Machado a couple weeks back, you know, I was like, dude, I got to know, how hard does Mercier kick? And he told me that... Uh, I think he had like a ruptured spleen or, you know, some, some shit broke. Let's put it like that. And he goes back to his corner and he doesn't understand why he can't breathe the same. And, uh, you know, it turns out, you know, whether it was a spleen or, a, you know, a rib, he, some, some shit got broken, dude. You know, that's how hard this dude kicks. 
And if you saw that fight with uh, Diego Ferreira, you know, I took the plus 260 on Diego, but I'm not going to act like I wasn't sweating it when he kicked Diego. When he kicks Tebow Gaudi, Gaudi might go to one knee and look, you know, and uh, and find a way out. But what I think ultimately is going to happen is he'll get taken out and get subbed. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, this is an absolute showcase fight. I think this is probably the easiest fight to pick on the whole card. Um, OAM's just going to – he's going to truck this dude. Uh, and I, I'm with you. He, he He's improved a lot. Like his stand-up, to, to me, has improved a lot since when he was on Tough and stuff. And um, his, his top game is brutal, man. He's, he's got some serious stuff on the ground. And uh, I, I was with you, too, on that, that – uh, that Carlos Diego uh, plus Moniani, but just was the right spot. Uh, the matchup was really good. This guy doesn't match up good. This is a complete showcase fight, and uh, I, I put him uh, on the open. It, it was a little better when it was minus three fifteen. It's still steep, but that and and Ali Bags was like plus one hundred five, and that's probably my most confident play on the card. So, yeah, I weigh in for me all day. Yeah, man. What do you think, Cody? You got uh, OEM to finish this guy, or do you think it's going to go the full three-round distance? No, I, I think he's improving. I mean, you know, you had a good little bit with Jason Sega where you mentioned this guy's one of Canada's brightest talents, and I feel the same way about Olivier Obey Mercier, man. I mean, people that have been following him in the country know that his grappling is obviously legit, but he's always stiff as a board, kind of like Misha. I mean, he just kind of looks freaky-jerky when he's on his feet. If he can't get the fight to the ground, he's almost like a fish out of water, but he's made such drastic improvements. He's such a young kid. He's confident, he's funny, he's got good personality, and I think that he's really starting to come into his own. Carlos Diego Ferreira, yeah, that was definitely a good spot to fade him on because, I mean, stylistically, his black belt's not as good as Carlos is, and his ever-improving stand-up isn't as good as Carlos is. And then factor in the fact that Carlos Diego Ferreira is now suspended from the UFC because he tested positive. So I think Olivier is a super tough guy. And not only is he a good guy that I'd like to pick in, you know, lots of different spots, but Tebow, Gaudi, I mean, give him a French striker with very little ground game who got dropped and subbed a minute in his last fight against a far lesser talent than Olivier. Yeah, I mean, talk about showcase. And I'm just surprised that, not surprised, but I mean, yeah, I, I bet it when he was 320 and I was shocked. And I'm sure it's going to skyrocket to 450, 500 come fight time. Now, MMA Genius, you're ranked number four in Top Master. You take in the minus 400 favorite or the plus 325 dog? Um, nah, man, um... I'm actually not that high on Mercier, um, you know, but I think this is a fight that he can win uh, for sure. I think he just takes him down like he did uh, against uh, Tony Slim, just constant pressure. I mean, this guy, no offense to Frenchies, but, you know, um, this guy, uh, I just think uh, Mercier is going to get the job done, but um, I'll definitely be looking to fade him down the line. Yeah, same here. The next up, we got Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He's minus 155, the comeback on Patrick the Predator, Cote. Is plus one thirty five, man. Everyone's on Cote here. It's it's kind of interesting. And how many times do I have to learn the lesson that Cowboy Cerrone doesn't lose to non top five guys? I mean, how how many fucking times do I have to fade him and lose for me to realize? Unless you're a champion or a top five guy, he's gonna beat you. But there's a little factor here that we gotta consider. This is the first time he fights a true welterweight, a dude that's fought at two hundred five against Tito, fought at eighty five against Anderson. And uh, now he's at 170, which is his natural weight class. So that that's the worrisome factor here if you're going to pick the, the Cowboy. And also the first uh, two minutes of the fight, you always are going to sweat it out with the Cowboy because he's the slowest starter of all time. But, I mean, he knows that. He's not a dumbass. He realizes. He's like, hey, Patrick's going to come out there and put it on me for the first two minutes. But 
once the locomotive gets going, you better watch the fuck out. That's what he said, and I agree with that, man. So it's about, you know, is Kote going to land a big body shot? Because we know the Cowboy is susceptible to that body shot. It, you know, is uh, Kote going to put him away early, put that pressure on him? I personally don't think so, but, you know, we've seen way crazier shit happen in this sport. I don't blame the spot, but when everyone's coming in on that dog, man, and we, we've learned this lesson so many times with Cowboy, he doesn't lose these fights, so... I got to go with the Cowboy. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, th this is that spot where, like, the whole world is picking this underdog, and it's not going to cash probably just because <laughs> just because of that. You know, uh, everybody that says they're picking Cote is usually saying, you know, one main thing is the size. He's going to use this. He's the first true welterweight that Cowboys fought. He's going to use his size. He's going to push him against the cage. I can't argue that. If Cote's going to probably win, that that's probably going to be how. Uh, Cote hits hard, but I just don't see him catching Cowboy and, and knocking him out. I just I can't see that. Um, I, I'm probably going to pick Cowboy. Um I don't think I can bet this fight either which way. Um, Cowboy's going to be a pick. I just think he, he, I think he can keep distance. Like you said, the first two mats are going to be shaky, but I think he can keep distance. His striking is 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 better and more refined than Colte's. Colte hits harder, but he's got to catch him. I just don't think he's going to catch him with that big shot. Uh, Cowboy keep distance, work his striking. And uh, probably won a really close decision. Now, I could be totally wrong. This, this is a really close fight that could go any number of ways. Uh, the one big factor that you can't really, like, handicap or anything is how much does Cowboy even give a fuck about this fight? That's just every time he fights, you have to question that. If Cowboy shows up and fights, I think he wins this fight. You just... You never know with him. You never know how much his heart is in each particular fight, unless it's for something, some huge prize, you know, a title shot guaranteed or for a title. That's this. I don't see how this gets either one of them. Like, it might get them closer, but like I said, you just never know with Cowboy if he's there to, to show up and fight. So it's a total pass for me, but I'm going to pick Cowboy. I completely agree. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I'm going to have to go Cote. I don't think he knocks him out, but I think Cote by uh, by decision. Whether it's a close decision or not, nobody, I don't think he's going to blow him out necessarily, but I think stylistically, it's not only just the size, it's the fact that Donald Cerrone, I don't think he gives a fuck. He took way too many fights in a short period of time. And he burnt himself out, both mentally and physically. Now he's 33 years old. Now he's got some money in the bank. Now it's harder to wake up early and go for those runs. Now it's hard, he's got his own training camp. Patrick Cote wants this, and above all else that he wants in, he's got the size, is the fact that Donald Cerrone didn't look good against Cowboy Oliveira. Mostly because he got in there and was like, geez, this guy's real strong, i got to get this takedown. Much like Benson Henderson needed to get Brandon Thatch to the ground because he was getting chewed up, and he was able to. Against Cote, I don't think he gets him to the ground, he's just too physically big. Donald Cerrone knows he's not a 170. He even made it, did an interview where he was like, I'm just killing time at welterweight before something pops up at 155. Because he knows... Well, they're not going to give me a title shot against RDA because I've gotten blown the fuck out twice in a row. So, not the first time to get blown the fuck out, but you know what I'm saying. So he needs to wait until somebody else wins the title so that he can work his way back in. He's fought most of the challengers there, and he's just looking to take fun fights. He doesn't know who Patrick Cote is. He's tried to bail out of this fight twice for bigger fights. He's taking them lightly. He's dicking around. He's at the CFL fucking game yesterday doing media day stuff. 
And personally, he doesn't move his head. And he's slow. So he stands there and he doesn't move his head. Patrick Cote pretty much only moves in a straight line. And that doesn't work good with against guys who are going to move laterally and give him angles. But because Cowboy's going to just offer him up exactly what he's going to do, they're literally going to get into a straight-up hoedown. And you want to bet the Cowboy in this situation, but I'm taking that redneck Canadian guy to, to, to just grit him out, beat him up, hit him with shots, push him up against the fence, catch some kicks, get some takedowns. Cowboy will get back up and just take that decision. So... I'm, one thing I am worried about is everybody I'm talking to, for the most part, seems to be on Cote, and the line's still sitting. I'm only minus 165. You know, and the bookies are usually right on these things, and that's usually a red flag. So I don't bet with caution, certainly, but I think I'm going to go with the Predator. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to beat the Cowboy, he's got to be aggressive. He's got to put it on him right away. And you mentioned the no-head movement. I mean, it's not like Cowboy doesn't know that. If you listen to his interview, like you mentioned, you know, he was doing the CFL shit. But, I mean, that's normal. I mean, this dude drinks after the weigh-ins, and he still comes out and chokes dudes out in the first round. Also, you know, you mentioned the wear and tear on his body. You're 100% correct, but it's not like Cote is some spring chicken, you know. This dude's barely a 500 fighter in the UFC, and rightfully so. And also, in his last two wins, it's not like he went out there and just killed the dudes. He had to go through some shit with uh, Josh Berkman, who, you know, you know. And also, he had to go through some shit with, uh, with Saunders. But I got to say, he impressed me over Saunders, and, you know, a thing our buddy Sean Carey likes to talk about is that flurry at the end of the Saunders fight. That's the exact flurry that Eddie Alvarez landed on Cowboy. And if Cote does it, hey, maybe he could put him down. I, I just don't see it happening. But, I mean, you know, a fight's a fight. I don't blame you for taking the shot on the dog, but I will be picking the Cowboy. Who you got? Yeah, man. Um, this fight's really interesting. Like you said, everyone picking Cote kind of drew me away. But um, my thing is with Cote is he's not really – he does have spurts where, you know, he'll push forward and, you know, start swinging. But for the most part, I mean, the guy takes his time. He's, a, you know, a real technical fighter. He likes to mix in that takedown from, from time to time. And he, uh, you know, he takes his time. Um, I, I actually like that. Uh, if you got a five dimes account or anything, but um, I like that Cote scorecards uh, equals no action because um, the only way I see him winning this is by bum-rushing him and getting a KO, like something like the Saunders uh, fight. And, um... If he wins a decision, you know, you get your money back. Um, or, or if he gets finished, you lose, you know. But I think if he can just rely on his toughness, which he's never been he's never been truly knocked out. I know Alessio Sakara knocked him out. but Alessio uh, Sakara knocked him out. <laughs> but, um, you know, I like – so he, uh, I so if he can rely on, his, uh, rely on his toughness, that plus 164 is actually, you know, really good. But uh, Cowboy is just a better fighter overall. You guys uh, had some good points. You know, he doesn't move his head. You know, he has been looking really stiff. I still think RDA, you know, changed his life. I don't think, you know, uh, a man can uh, be the same after that. As you saw with Pettis. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, I just think uh, the leg, I think the leg kicks, the check knees, the high kicks, I think one of those will just, uh, just keep Cote, uh, you know, at bay. But I'm just relying on Cote's uh, toughness to not get finished. And, um, you know, and hopefully if he gets a finish, that's cool. But, um if not, then I get my money back. So, But my pick is Cowboy. Hashtag keep Cote at bay. Hey, next up, we got the main event of the evening. Steven Wonderboy Thompson is minus 115, even though he opened at plus 110. And Rory McDonald is minus 105. This is a hell of a fight, especially at pick'em odds, man. It's a, it's a tough one. You know, I'm going to go with the Wonderboy here. But uh, I'm not going to act like, uh, you know, like I'm not worried about Rory. Rory is a motherfucker. And, you know, if you watch uh, – 
Wonder Boy's fight with Whitaker. Firstly, one doesn't simply knock out Whitaker in the first round, let me say that. But Whitaker had a lot of success with that jab. If we all know Rory's best weapon, it is that jab. So I'm definitely worried about that. But, man, I do think along the way Wonder Boy's going to knock him out. Now, I'm not even going to bring up, you know, oh, is he going to come back the same after the Robbie Lawler fight? Because, actually, I think Rory's going to show up, dude. I, I think he's the kind of dude that... You know, after that fight, he tweeted out, best night of my life, and, you know, this and that. I mean, the dude's a, a psychopath, you know what I'm saying? So he's going to come out there. He's going to come to fight. I just don't think it's really going to matter because Wonderboy is the real deal. And, you know, I'm not one of these dudes that, oh, he beat Hendricks. Now I'm on the train. No, no, no. I was at his fight with Matt Brown in ATL. Like, I, I know what the deal is. And I said after that fight, look, if his defensive wrestling can catch up with his striking, this dude could be a world champion. So what did he do? He calls up Chris Weidman, who we all know is a – former UFC world champion and a great wrestler, and he starts working his defensive wrestling with that guy. Then he then he stuffs takedowns from guys like Johnny Hendricks, and, you know, I, I did put three units on Wonderboy in that spot. So, like I said, I'm not jumping on this bandwagon, man. I just think that he really is a future UFC world champion. Now, I'm not going to bring up, oh, is, has Roy taken too much damage from the Robbie fight? You know, I, I know he's going to show up. But one thing I will bring up is the free agency talk because – when, as soon as he starts saying shit like, oh, I'm going to test out the market, that to me is the sign of he doesn't want to be a world champion, whereas I know Wonderboy, I know he wants that title shot bad. But on the flip side, I'm very worried about what Wonderboy has been saying. He's been saying shit like, oh, I don't want to fight Rory, he's my friend. And the last time Wonderboy fought a friend was against Cote. He drops Cote, and then he helps him back up. He high-fives and hugs him. At that point, I was like, what the fuck, Wonderboy? You know what I mean? But, you know, he still came through in that spot, and he still came through in his subsequent fights. But, dude, come on. Don't be friends with Rory out there. Don't fucking help him back up and all this shit. Don't high-five and hug. Go out there and fucking finish him. If he shows up like I think he will, I think he knocks out Rory. But, obviously, I'm worried because, I mean, look, what if Rory gets on top of us? Holy shit. But, but let, 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 me, let, me, uh, let me bring something up. Let me uh, bring something else to the table. I know Jake Ellenberger is completely shot, but still, you know, on paper, everyone was like, well, Ellenberger's got the wrestling advantage. Well, it was actually Wonderboy that suplexed Jake Ellenberger in that fight and reversed the takedown. So, I, you know, I don't think uh, Wonderboy's grappling is that bad. I think it's actually gotten so good to where he can just keep fight standing and show off that great striking. So, you know, as a betting man, I put two and a half here, and I'm hoping that Wonderboy keeps it standing and knocks him out. But you know what? You cannot count out a guy like Rory. What do you think, Wes? Yeah, man, what a great fight, dude. Just any, any way you look at it, it's a great fight. Um, the first thing for me is the, the coming back from, from the beatdown that Robbie gave him. I, he, he's 26. If he was 30, 32, I, I would put more stock into that. Uh, you know, it, it worries you a little, but not not as much if he was a little older. On top of that, uh, about the same thing happened uh, against Carlos Conant. He he took a hellacious beating in that fight and came back and, and went on a title run. So um, I'm kind of trying to look past that. Um, I, I think Warner Boy's the real deal. Don't get me wrong. Um, what he does, nobody else can do. What he does, how he does it. Uh, now. With the takedown defense, I think it's much improved. But Johnny was shooting, shot like two or three takedowns from halfway across the cage. You know, he wasn't never going to get them. I don't think Johnny was ever in that fight. Uh, even if he was, I don't know if it would have mattered. I don't think Johnny's not. He's not evolved. He's not evolving, in my opinion. I think he's the same fighter as he's been. 
He's a counter wrestler, bomb the right hand, uh, just bomb the ring. He just ain't evolved. These guys are, are evolving, and they passed him up. That's that's just my opinion. But it was a great win. He beat a former champion. Um, this is all going to come down to to imposing a game plan. If if Roy stays at too much distance for too much time, he's going to get lit up, and and Wonder Boy will knock you out. Uh, he knocks you out with stuff that you just don't. You don't think anybody's ever going to pull that kind of shit off, but he does. Um, Roy uses a good jab, like you said. He also has a really good front kick that he uses it for range and to keep guys off of him. But I don't think he can stay at range in this fight. He's he's got to get into to Wonder Boy and either get him on the cage and rough him up or, or get him down. Roy's not got the best takedowns, but he can body lock you, he can trip you. Uh, now, if it gets to the ground, I think there's a, a big a gap with Rory on top of, of Wonder Boy as there is with him staying at distance with Wonder Boy. I think they're about the same in gap there. Either which way, that guy's going to be imposing his will. Um, I'm guessing that Roy eventually gets a hold of him, that he weathers it long enough and he gets a hold of him, gets him down and does damage. Um I'm gonna. I don't think this fight goes a distance either which way. Rory will get him down and beat on him till he stops him, or Wonder Boy's gonna catch uh, Rory and, and knock him out. I'm I'm picking Rory to to impose his will on the ground and and either get probably get a late stoppage, might go to decision. I don't see it a uh, small chance, but I'm picking Rory by fourth round uh, ground and pound stoppage. Yeah, and you bring up some really good points about how Johnny Hendricks hasn't evolved. And, you know, obviously we'll be taking that shot on Kelvin Gastelum come uh, UFC 200. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you know the thing is, um, Rory did something really smart for this fight. He brought in Raymond Daniels, who was the one guy to beat Wonderboy. I know Wonderboy is 57-0 and and this and that. Yeah, right. Look at me with a straight face and tell me he's 57-0. and He's 57-1. and His one loss is to Raymond Daniels. You go back and you watch that fight, Wonderboy looked like total shit. He looked so fucking bad. Just go, just please, go watch Raymond Daniels versus Wonderboy Thompson and then tell me that he's undefeated because he's not undefeated. But... Uh, Rory doesn't have Raymond in the cage with him, just like uh, Joanne doesn't have Faraz in the cage with her, you know? But he's going to come prepared, and that's really important. I know Johnny Hendricks didn't bring in any karate dudes to emulate him. Johnny thought he was going to, you know, I, I went I went uh, 10 rounds with Robbie Lawler, so of course I can hang with Wonderboy, right? Wrong. And uh, so I think Raymond Daniels is going to be a huge asset for Rory here. Now, Wonderboy just, he has to show up, man. If he shows up, he'll knock him out. But, man, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm not worried about this. What do you think, Cody? Well, yeah, bam, I just want to talk about Raymond Daniels as well. <clears throat> By the way, that fight was like nine years ago. So talk about guy evolving. He runs in a straight line with a bunch of punches and blows his own knee out. I talked to Raymond Daniels, and he was like, I don't even feel like I beat the guy deep down because he blew his knee out when he was coming towards me. So he does have that loss, but knee injury during uh, Chuck Norris's World Combat League. Oh, hold on. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, brother, but he looked like total shit up until that point. Well, that but a really <laughs> long time ago. Think about it. Think about how much he's evolved from fighting Dan Stitkin to fighting Johnny Hendricks. Think about the evolution right there. So then think about the evolution that he's made from that time to this time. I mean, it was a really long... You talk about Christoph Jocko. You love Christoph Jocko. You think this guy's made a ton of improvements. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson all day, baby. But that being said... Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is viewed as a one-of-a-kind talent. And he's actually a two-of-a-kind talent because Raymond Daniels is as good, if not better. The guy's got two wins over Michael Page in his 
point contact karate. Absolute legend. One of the greatest American kickboxers of all time. And yes, they brought this guy in. He moves almost identically, especially when he chooses to move almost identically. And Rory's got that training with him. Also, Rory's got that training with Stephen Thompson in the past. So for me, the big thing is, and yeah, I, I don't know who's going to win this fight. I really don't. No, nobody does. We're just all speculating. These are just the points that I just want to try to throw into the conversation here. Is that if you're Stephen Thompson, right? When Stephen Thompson fought Johnny Hendricks, I thought it was risque and he got the job done. But he was working his ground games with two guys, Ryan Hall and a former Canadian wrestling champion. Canadian wrestling, I hate to admit it, definitely not on par with an NCAA champion that you could have brought in, but he didn't. And Ryan Hall, grappling whiz, not a wrestler, someone who's just helping him with your jiu-jitsu. He gets the job done. When you're fighting Rory McDonald, there's almost nobody in the world that you can bring in to emulate him. And flip side to that, there's almost nobody in the world that you can bring in to, to mimic Wonderboy other than Raymond Daniels. He's had that camp with Daniels. Daniels is fighting on the Bellator Dynamite 2 card, so he's getting ready for a fight anyways. He lives up in New York, so, uh, you know, it was a short little drive over. Perfect. Bickety-bam. I don't, still don't know who's going to win this fight, but I think advantage leans towards the guy that's had a camp working for this, not Johnny Hendricks, who was worried about his failing steakhouse and his truck that he spent $150,000 <laughs> on and his dwindling yep. bank account. Listen to the thing about Johnny Hendricks, and I like this guy, I do, but... He probably made $3 million, yeah, two and a half, say, let's call it $2.5 million in what, 2013, 2014? Almost beats George, wins the title against Robbie. You start living a lifestyle like you're going to make $2 million the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and now you're getting you're fighting once or twice a year, and you're losing, and you're making one hundred that's a huge thing, man. That's a lot of mental stress. He had no preparation. He swung no jabs. He literally just swung hooks, eight shots. This is Rory here, so once again, I just want to finish it by saying I don't know who's going to win, but I'll be leaning towards Rory McDonald. Uh, maybe not by decision. Rory McDonald, though. That'd be the pick. Who you got, man? Yeah, uh, it's interesting that uh, you brought up uh, Wonder Boy, you know, training with uh, Ryan Hall and that uh, Canadian wrestling uh, coach because it's funny because I've seen that Canadian, that same Canadian wrestling coach in a lot of the TriStar uh, corners. Like I saw him in a yeah, uh, He wrestled Yo Romero uh, back in the day, Cuba, like Nationals. He's the man. Uh, okay, that's impressive, but I've seen that guy in a lot of charge star corners, and it's interesting, you know, um, I think if Wonderboy stays that distance, he wins this fight, and I'll even go on the record to say easily. I think I think he's a future champion, and that's just my opinion, but um, I think if he stays that distance, he wins this fight easily. If he gets taken down, I'll walk away from the TV, and I'll fucking just, you know, take the L like a man, but um, I think if he wins, his, if he stays on the outside, throws that front leg side kick, head kicks, uh, the straight lefts, I just think at some point he will catch him. And um, like you said, he's coming off. I know I know the Robbie fight was a war, it was a classic, but as a man, I just don't think you can come back the same. I think he's going to, when he gets hit, I just think it's going to be, he has taken the right amount of time off, but I just think when he when he gets hit by this guy, with the, just the, the variation of techniques he's throwing at you, just the, the, the broken rhythms he has, just the quick left, quick, kicks. Um, I just think he's going to go down. But I mean, I don't ever count a man's uh, ability to rise to the occasion. You know, he like we said earlier, he's already talking about other promotions. But I'll be lying if I said I wasn't sweating this shit. Um, I'm, I'm going to bet the... Uh, <laughs> I'll, be, uh, I'll definitely be betting the uh, under in this fight because I think Wonderboy does it within a round. But um, like you said, I, Rory's world class. He's definitely better overall. He's a better overall fighter. But, you know, like, that doesn't mean anything, you know, these days. But um, I just think if he stays at distance, and, you know, 
Johnny Hendricks, a two-time national champion, had his hands fully clasped against the fence, fully locked in, double leg, had his hands fully clasped and could not get it. That's how much I think this guy's takedowns, uh, takedown defense has improved because I know 90% of the division gets taken down by that. And um, go ahead. Yeah, and think about it, right? So he brings in, because he likes the TriStar wrestling coach, he says, hey, can you help me get ready for Johnny Hendricks, wrestler? This guy gets him prepped up, and his takedown defense looks good. Now this guy goes back to his house in Montreal, back to training at TriStar with Rory, with all of the knowledge of, hey, this is what Stephen, Boy, Stephen Thompson likes to do, and these are why, the reasons why Johnny Hendricks failed to do so. I feel like it's almost like they got an inside guy in his camp. You know, It, just, it almost feels like they know something that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson does. Doesn't, but once again, I'm just playing devil's advocate and throwing uh, wrinkles into the old overall plan. It's a you're 100 percent right. It's a very intriguing uh, equation. Another thing is, you know, um, I actually think Rory's best chance to win this fight is on the feet. To be honest, you know, um, I think uh, at some point, you know, if this fight gets in the later rounds, you know, Stephen could start dropping his hands, his movement, can, uh, his up and down movement could you know slow down, and you know he can run into a punch. You know, um, we have seen him get slightly wobbled before. Um, we've seen him get dropped. <laughs> we've seen him get dropped before, um, you know. So it's a it's a really good fight, man. But I gotta go with Wonder Boy. But I will be sweating my ass off in that main event. As will I, my friend. Now we gotta <laughs> talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch for UFC Ottawa. So I mean, Wes, what do you think is the fight to watch on this card, man? Besides the main event, obviously. Uh, well, you know, the main events probably. Main event's one of the better fights that you'll get this year. Uh, hmm. I, I'd probably say uh, uh, the McCory-Jocko uh, fight. I, I think that fight could end up being, like, really, really good because there's, there's so many aspects, so many ways that that fight could go, so many ways it could play out. Uh, it could be very, very good. It could also be very bad. There, there's aspects that could make it like a really boring fight, but I don't think so. I, I think that fight's going to be pretty good. What do you think, Cody? Well, uh, in terms of like fight to watch, probably, my opinion, not going to be the most tactical, not going to be uh, the maybe not the best fight on the card, but if there's that one fight where you're like, man, I probably don't want to get up, it's going to have to be Bossy and O'Connell. I mean, it's probably going to be sloppy. It's the kind of thing you'd expect to see in a Bellator card, but... I love me some Bellator action, and yeah. I think it's just going to be a super fun fight. I mean, does any guy have any promise in this division? Absolutely none. So in that regard, I'd rather see a guy like Ian Kudalaba or Olave Obe Mercier or Jason Sago. But if someone had a gun to my head and they're like, you got to miss one of those ones, I can do it. I can't miss this one, man. Sean O'Connell, Steve Bossy was put together for the fans, and I'm a fan, so put together for me, and I'm in. There you go. You know, I'm going to actually go with the True UK fan on this one, man. i got to go with Jocko versus McCrory. Just the style clash. For me as a fan of the sport, just, you know, liking the, the technical aspect, it's so intriguing because Jocko's going to try to run away. McCrory's going to go right for him. If they get into grappling exchanges, we're going to be sweating that shit. If it stays standing, we're going to be looking good. Jocko will be breakdancing at the end of this fight, but, man, that is the fight to watch. What's your fight to watch, man? I'm going to go with the flyweights, man. I'm going to go with uh, Ali, Puncher King, and uh, Gian Herrera. Um, you know, I'm definitely taking that shot on Herrera, but, you know, I'm a big fan of Ali uh, Bagatinov. You know, the Russian uh, Sambo master, the Puncher King, you know, he swings heavy, but I think the flyweights, they're going to uh, give us that fast-paced fight, and we'll see, see a lot of scrambles, and I think someone goes down in this fight. Very bold. Now we gotta talk about the fighter to watch for UFC Ottawa. So I mean, Wes, who's the fighter to watch, man? 
I, I'd like to say it's it's OAM, uh, you know, to see how he gets back on track and everything. But that's just I don't know. That's such a a, a can crusher match in, in my opinion, anyway. So, um. I'm I'm probably gonna say Sago. I'm really inter interested to see how good this guy is. I because I think he's got some talent. I think he's really young, and uh, there's not too many like really good. Uh, as far as to my knowledge, I'm not as 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 uh, familiar with the regional scene up in Canada. But they don't have like too many young like up and coming prospects, um, and I, I think he can be one. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see. Uh, what Sago can do in this match, and then, like I said, OAM, but that that's just probably a beat down. So, say Sago. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And those two dudes you mentioned, like we have previously alluded to many times on the show, I think they are the future of Canadian MMA. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, I gotta go with uh, Ion Kudalaba. I mean, uh, I've been watching this kid since he's 18 years old. He's 22 now. He's super young. But the biggest thing here is that there's so many question marks around him because, like, knocks out a bunch of cans in a minute, every time, never had a stiff test. Welcome to the UFC, kid. Here's a stiff test. This is a stink-or-swim moment. And I've been seeing a lot of these Russian guys come over with these awesome records, and they've been sinking. And, and I don't, you know, he's not Russian, he's Moldovan, you know, I guess former USSR satellite state. But I'm interested in seeing if he's going to sink or swim. If he's going to go out there and knock this guy, then Misha Cherkinov is a hair out of the top 15. And I say that because guys like John Volante and Corey Anderson are in the top 15. He's a hair out of the top 15. He's probably a top 20 guy. So if, if this kid can come in here, he's 22 years old, he can come in here in a division that has literally has a ton of good guys, but it's just almost like a, he could spark some life into it. And I'm hoping he can. So Ion Kudalaba, I think that's the guy, the fire to watch. Or he gets smoked out, and he's just another fad. So it would be interesting to see. Who's the fire to watch, man? I'm going to go with the uh, pole, man. I'm going to go with uh, Christoph Yato, man. Uh, I think if he wins this fight, he's going to be right on the cusp of that top 15 spot, or whoever wins this fight is going to be on the top, the cusp of that top 15 spot. But um, I think, like you said, we're going to see a, a good old break dance at the end. Yeah, man. And, uh, man, you know, how many times am I going to pick Jocko? You know what I'm saying? So i got to pick someone else. And you know what? I'm going to go with Leandro Silva just because, you know, the guy has been consistently criticized. He's underwhelming. But at the same time, he's never been finished. He's never been rocked. He gets into these close decisions. And Sago is such a prospect that I want to see if Leandro rises to the occasion. I mean, plus 170. I mean, I, I just got to see what this guy brings to the table. Is he going to fuck around and get taken down? Or is he going to show that, hey, I'm 18-2 and two for a reason? I, I, and, you know, you guys can correct me on the record. I think I was pretty close off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th that's my fighter to watch. And, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure to talk to all three of you. Welcome back on the show anytime you want. Just let the audience know where to follow you and what you got coming up, Wes. Yeah, man. Uh, you can always get at me on Twitter. Uh, true UK fan. Uh, we pretty much do this every day, just in kind of text form. You know, we all like talking to fights, man. Uh, kind of bouncing bets back and forth, you know, giving opinions. Uh, we're all trying to beat the bookie, so. Um, just be a little nicer than, than Baltardo to people, and uh, everybody get along good. We can all make some money, but uh, yeah, man, y'all can find me there. Um, I, I do all right in MMA, but uh, I kill NASCAR. So uh, tell my NASCAR bets you might uh, you might win a little money. Uh, fade my soccer bets, and uh, you'll win a whole lot of money. So 
give me a follow on there, man. It was great talking with you, man. Get me back on here soon, brother. Definitely will, man. You know, for all the new fans that have to battle, I mean, for all the old fans, you already know, you know, the true UK fan is the best NASCAR better in the fucking game, as we mentioned on the second episode of Half the Battle. But now we're over 70 episodes deep, and we're bringing them back and definitely tail those NASCAR plays because, I mean, we're talking plus 750s, plus 1150s, and it's consistent, too. This ain't no bullshit. So, I mean, Cody, where can we find you, man? Yeah, easily find me on Twitter, at CJ Saftik. Obviously, uh, run the show Bookie Beatdown, so you can always just leave a comment or... You know, hit me up, a uh, pretty easy guy to get a hold of. But, yeah, I mean, I, this is pretty much what I do for a living. So I love to talk fights. I can pretty much talk about if, if you guys want to do an RFA version of this show or if you want to do a Bellator version or a World Series of Fighting version or Hard Knocks Fighting Championship 50, what, what, Jesse Arnett, Mike Hernandez, I'd love to talk any type of MMA with you. So love doing it. For the fans that don't know, this Toutmaster thing's kicking off. We got to get our way into that top ten. MMA genius, this kid's killing it. And uh, I think I don't think we've met either. So, by the way, man, shout out. Awesome doing the show with you. You definitely know what you're talking about. And I had a great time. So thanks for having me as always. Absolutely, man. For all the fans, you've got to check out Bookie Beatdown. I say it every time. You know, Paul Shag and uh, Cody Saptic, they bring it, man. And, you know, it's just cool to hear everyone's perspective on the fights because everyone brings something different to the table. And once you start acting like, oh, I can't learn something from someone else, that's when you should probably step away. So, in my opinion... You better subscribe to Bookie Beatdown right now. What do you think, man? Where, where can they find you? Oh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, just follow me at uh, MMA Genius, and uh, it was great to meet uh, you too. And um, I wish all of you guys well, you know, uh, on the uh, this weekend. Hopefully we all win some money, and um, good luck. Yeah, guys, and obviously you know to find me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com and subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Cannot wait for the fights this weekend. And before we get out of here, you know, Cody, you're like, hey, maybe we should talk some RFA real quick now. Let me, let me mention something on this World Series of Fighting card. There's a dude named Philip Hawes. He's minus 1,700. Yeah, he didn't even get in the top house. He didn't well, even get in the top house. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He's, ta- he, he's, he's taking on a dude in Joshua Keys, plus 1,100, but he's 6-11. He's I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they found, like, they, they called up a dude who, you know, probably hasn't fought in a couple of years, coming off the bar stool, Tank Abbott style. And uh, <laughs> maybe he'll cash us a plus 1,100. I seriously doubt it. But anyways, fans. Follow me once again at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.